We're back for part two of our NEC Now podcast with St. Francis University men's basketball assistant coach, Eric Taylor. We pick things up back in 2012 with Eric returning to Loretto as an assistant coach at his alma mater. So as you transitioned from the business aspect of, of uh, sports to coaching, you're back in Loretto. SFU had kind of fallen, they'd fallen on some hard times in hoops in that era. Yes. When you took up the offer from Rob, what was his long-term vision for the program to get it back to where he wanted it to be? The long-term vision for Rob was very simple. It was, let's build a culture. Let's build a positive culture full of brotherhood, community, and faith. And let's get this program to championship level. We knew that it was going to take time. There was impatience. There was impatience. I had impatience. He had impatience. He had the most patience out of both of us because, like, we, he, I was the first one he called. I mean, Chris Clark, um, he was here, and then Joey Goodson. Uh, Chris Clark's at Temple. Joey Goodson, he's doing uh, medical device sales in, in Maryland uh, with his family. But um, they, there was, there was impatience and patience from all sides. We wanted success right away. And that wasn't the recipe. We knew that the culture that was before we got here and before Rob took over, we knew that it was going to be difficult to change. Any culture that has a downswing and uh, has the mentality of losing, just as call it what it is, it's going to be difficult to change and it won't change overnight. So it was the positivity, the culture, the brotherhood, and the faith. That was the one thing that we wanted to start in the beginning, like bring it from the from the grassroots level. You have to have that before you have to talk about any types of championships or any types of playoff games or any types of competitive, highly competitive basketball. And that was the one thing that, uh, that I was all on board with for sure because we knew what we had back in the 90s. So it was kind of easy to develop that here at St. Francis because we knew what we knew what was here. We just had to develop it, and uh, we had to come from the grassroots level. And he's been the unbelievable orchestrator of that. Um, and he's had me as his right hand man um, to just come behind and kind of clean up a lot of the mess, you know, when things get things is out of hand. But we work together. We work well together. Happy to work for him, and that was one of his his goals. And now to see the materialization of it now, it's just been a blessing. Just it's been, I'm not surprised just because he said it back in 1996 in his, in the, uh, in, in the media guide. And the fact that he's done what he's done now uh, with some really good coaches in the league um, has been unbelievable. So you come aboard and you immediately get your hands on Earl Brown. A, a big with potential. Uh, by year's end, he's the most improved player in the league. So my question to you about Earl is, what did you see in him when you first walked on campus? And then did you see at that point the potential to become a player of the year type, which he was as a senior? The only thing Earl needed, he just needed a vision. Um, Earl Brown the one thing that I can say about Earl, unlike all the other players 
that that I just coached as bigs. I usually sit the bigs down once per year, once or twice per year, and we have like a come to Jesus meeting. Like I basically go inside of their head and I'm like, look, what do you want out of your life, out of your career? Like, because they can't, nothing can get past me because I've seen it all. So like, if you out there being a knucklehead and if, you, if you're out there being a jokester, if you're like cheating on drills, if you're not going hard, cause I'm always looking, I'm always looking. Um, and so if you're doing that, I'm gonna find you. And you know, Rob's got the offense and Rob, you know, he's a little bit on the defense, but I look at that little stuff. Rob looks at the little stuff, but I look even at like the minuscule, like many, many, many stuff. And, uh, and Earl, he bought in, had a talk with Earl one time. He had a couple concussions. Uh, I think one was at Kent state and, uh, he was always like a jokester, this jokester from Philly, you know, I always had a thing for these Philly guys too. I thought these Jersey and Philly guys were just jokesters and he was a jokester. I'm like, <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot of good Philly and New Jersey guys. I don't need the Philly guys and Jersey guys. Like, oh yeah, coach T you said Philly, Jersey guys are jokesters. No, I'm going to show him. No, there's some good dudes from Jersey and Philly. We got them. We got one of the coaches staff. There's a bunch of good dudes. But this dude from Emotep Charter was a jokester his first, second year when I came. I'm like, man, let me, I got to talk to this guy. So the one thing I told Earl, and he, and I know he bought in. I said, Earl, you're going to be a captain one day. And with being a captain, you have to, you can, you got to joke less and do more. And you got to be an example. And you got to be able to move furniture in other people's house. You know what I mean by that, Earl? Earl was like, what you mean, Coach T? I said, you have to move furniture in other people's house. Now, when people come to your house, they can't move your furniture. You can't let them move your furniture. So when they come to Loretto, all the furniture have to be in place. You're, you're the only one that can move that furniture. So when Earl was like, yo, is that that's really what it means? It's like, yeah, you got to be grimy. <laughs> so Earl, Earl bought in. And ever since then, I tell you what, that I had that conversation with him three days prior to him having a blowout rebound game against Central Connecticut State. I think he had like 24 rebounds. Oh. He had a goal, 24-25. I could be off. I knew he, he broke my record. And that next day I brought him in like, E, E, you moving furniture now. Now go get it. You got the juice. And so it didn't surprise me that he became who he became. He had a goal to become good and great and he did and uh it was awesome to see him playing overseas and doing what he did and and uh and starting his own company in philly and uh but earl brown he was kind of like the beginning he was the beginning of the era the, the player the greatness of player era that got to that plateau um uh during rob's tenure you know and and so that started that, that enhanced recruiting for us. Um, that enhanced everything for us. Um, when we had a, a student athlete uh, have really was, was solid in the classroom and became a social media expert because he was really good on social media. So he got a lot of fans, he got local fans, he got 
Um, he got students engaged and involved. Earl Brown was the start of that. He had help. He did. He had he had help, but he was kind of like that 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 catalyst for social media engagement, um, work ethic, uh, captainship, uh, mentorship. Because, uh, I mean, he came back and talked to the team. Whenever he gets a chance, he comes back and talks to the team about just seizing the day, you know, and, and uh, always love Earl. He knows that. And, uh, and all the players that come through here, they know that they're going to get that mentorship from any one of the coaches um, so that they can be better people. So Earl Brown, no, no surprises here that he became who he became. We saw that similar linear type progression from future bigs. You saw it in Ronnie Drennan and, and how he exploded his last couple seasons. We saw it in, in Josh Nebo. And now we're seeing it in Mark Flagg. Um, for you in your position, how much time is spent with you working with bigs to kind of get them to that next level to where they can be, you know, key players for your, for your program? Mm, you know, I, I would be remiss if I, you know, had a little bit of guidance from Coach Helton. I mean, he's been great uh, because he coached bigs also. And a lot of my tutelage comes from Coach George Jackson. Um, I use a lot of a lot of methods from Coach George Jackson, from my, high, my former high school coach. He coached at UC, Seton Hall. Uh, he coached out in Jersey at a community college. And uh, Tom McConnell, who wrote a book on big man. I mean, I can't say enough about Tom McConnell, but he wrote a book on how to be a big. Um, and so everything that I learned from him and the people that came before me and the people who coached me, I use that into um, my program, um, how I developed the bigs. And I also infused the European game because a European game is more hybrid. You have to be able to dribble, pass, shoot, um, and post up. So not only post up, like we're, you know, kind of pigeonholed here, but when I got to Europe, I found out that you have to be versatile. If you're not versatile, you will have challenges and your challenges will be greater if you're not versatile because you'll be pigeonholed and your game will be figured out. And so that that's kind of how I develop the bigs now. And I usually need about a year, a year or two. It won't happen overnight. But it happens after consistent drills and consistent, consistent indoctrination of this hybrid mentality uh, flag. Earl already had the skills. He, had, he already had the slashing. Um, he needed to be a little bit more physical in the post. He, he developed that. Um, and, I, and, and, and I had help from coaches along the way. I'm not afraid to say I, could, I had help from other coaches around me because, you know, they, they need to hear different voices and different perspectives. But, uh, but I usually, my MO is the indoctrination of a hybrid type big and flag is almost there. Um, flag from the mental perspective has to be a little bit more mentally tough. Um, and that's, that's where he's going to be. That's where he's going to take it to the next level. Cause he's super skilled. Like flag is a, he has he's one of the best skilled bigs that has come through the program as far as his length his athleticism uh but his mentality he's had he's got a great mentality now but to get to the next level he has to buy in earl bought in ronnie bought in 
Nebo had, was buying in. Nebo started to shoot threes before he went to Texas A&M. And I uh, actually talked to Nebo like a month ago because he was getting, he's getting a lot of uh, NBA recognition. Teams are calling him um, and they want to know like about Josh's character. And so Josh still calls me for mentorship, which is, I feel blessed to be a part of still his life. Cause he, and so that just lets you know that, you know, it's not about basketball totally with me and with the program, especially with me. Cause we're talking about what I do. I mentor these guys for life. That's how I was mentored um, with coach Jackson. He's known me longer than anyone. So I have to say coach Jackson, you know, I still talk to coach Jackson this day because he was a mentor. And so I try to do the same mentorship and it's not all about basketball. It's about academics. It's about your social life. It's about your private life. It's about your family. It's everything all in one. Um, and that's the way you can impact and influence a student athlete or a human being greater is having that relationship. And so when the indoctrination happens with different skills and drills and things like that, we already friends because we've, I've touched you on already different levels. So once I've touched you on these different levels, when I say something like, you know what, let's, let's, let's shoot the three this way, or let's, let's try to work on this fadeaway, or let's try to do this and that, it becomes easy. And so when you have buy-in, that's when you have the impact and the influence. The game has changed so much since you were a player over the last 20 years. Uh, the, the dominant inside guy funneling your offense through a post-up player, kind of just, you don't see that much anymore. So yeah. my question to you is, and you've talked about the need for versatility, but is there still room in the game for that 6'9", 6'10", big that has the footwork that can get you buckets um, in the paint as to, as to be your primary threat. Absolutely, I think, uh, and I'll just I'll give a shout out to Josh Cohen now because uh, Josh Cohen, I'll be honest, he's a mix of Christian Leitner and Cherokee Parks and Tim Duncan. Like he's a poor man of all of them right now, but that footwork that you talked about and get you buckets. He has a lot of that already. Uh, and I can say that because I've just seen a lot of bigs over my course of time, just the bigs that I've seen. And what I feel that to, to succeed as a back-to-the-basket post player, um, it's essential to have that type of footwork. And if you come in the door with that, you're already a step ahead of other bigs. So, so to be able to have that basis – to be able to score with your back to the basket is so essential right now. And once you master the back to the basket, then you can, you can spread your game out. I think Holloway is a, is a great example of that. He had, a, he was a great back to the basket player. Like he could grind you out on that block. And then in his later years, he started to shoot the basketball a little bit more from the, from the free throw line and from the three point line. That's the type of uh, uh, game as far as when you say the versatility and that European game, there's still room for that back to the basket player, but they have to buy in. Most players want to shoot threes in the beginning. Oh, cause I saw him shoot the three in the NBA and he's got this type of floater game and this and that. No, you have to start from the core. 
The core is the basket. And the, the highest percentage shot statistically is still the layup. So if you can operate around where the layup is, the basket, where you can, you know, you have, you know, multiple finishing moves and this and that, you'll, you'll already have one step ahead of other players because you always need a bucket down low because those threes won't fall all the time. You know, you know, Golden State, yeah, they can do, you know, threes fall for them. Yeah. But they still had to have Draymond. They still had to have that back to the basket player. Uh, the Australian guy, I'm, 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 I'm uh, lost for name, but he had got hurt um, okay. that year. Yes. Yeah, Bogut. Bogut could give you a bucket down low, but he was skilled. He could give you that versatility too. But when it, when it was all said and done, they needed Bogut to get a bucket for that layup shot. And so, uh, so there's still room, you know, and there's still, but the coaches that can teach that are starting to become obsolete, but I think it's starting to come back again. So we have those YouTube videos. We have uh, books, you know, like, like I said, Tom McConnell wrote, um, you have Pete Newell camps, you have, you have a great amount of people that are co that coaches that still know the game of that back to the basket game. I still know it but I still have the infusion of the European game where they teach the Europeans, like in Serbia, in Serbia, in the kids' camps, the kids' basketball camps in Serbia, I've seen where they teach the kids everything. You have five stations. You have point guard station, uh, shooting guard station, wing station, power forward station, center station, no matter your size. So you're getting taught all these levels of basketball and fundamentals, no matter of your spectrum, no matter if you're gonna be 6'10 or if you're gonna be 5'10, you're gonna be taught how to play back to the basket. And you can see it, it's, the proof is in the pudding. There's so many Yugoslavian, Serbian, slash Croatian, slash uh, Slovenian players that have excelled in our league, in the NBA, and even, uh, even in the NCAA, but most, most importantly, the NBA, because of their ability to play versatile and 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 so it, it's kind of like that mix so we get the american players that are kind of like you know pigeonholed but then you have like an outlier you know where you have like an unbelievable player but then you have to have that mix of the european player that has been taught the fundamentals from all positions and that was the one thing that has enhanced i think my big man development uh, program uh, of the ability to be able to be that hybrid you know, and so I think that was that was the most thing that was the most important thing about the versatility and the fact that you'll have to be a back to the basket player first before you can expand your game to the free throw line and eventually to the three point line. Last question about the two different eras um, between the 90s that you played in and right now is there this is of course sort of a fun question. If you had to pick one player from back in your day that you played against or with that you would love to coach now that would fit into the modern basketball, who would that be? Oh, that's a tough question. That's a tough question. I'm, I'm like brainstorming right now. I would have to go with Charles Jones. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> Why? Because he can get you a bucket when the offense breaks down. Yup, and he's shooting that thing from the coach's timeline. Charles Jones. Yup, sorry. It's proof in the pudding. 
he was a leading scorer of the nation for like two straight years. I mean, he was kind of like, you know, our quasi Isaiah Blackman, you know, who we have now, because Isaiah, we could just get a bucket from him when the offense broke down. But uh, but Charles Jones, yeah, he he could be transitional. You could take him from <laughs> from the 90s. You can bring him into offense now, and your offense will just look really, really good because it looked like you just drew up the greatest X's and O on that on that dry erase board. And, uh, oh, and it worked because he just got a bucket for you. <laughs> yeah, he was something else. He was something else for sure. Oh, yeah. uh, let's talk a few last few questions. I want to get into St. Francis uh, University, sort of the basketball renaissance we've seen the last, you know, five years or so. Um, Flash have reached the title game three of the last four years. I always, you always hear things that, you know, it's tough to recruit. St. Francis is in Western PA. There's not much around. I don't see it like, because your talent level since, you know, Rob took over has been as good as anyone in the league. You've brought in some outstanding players. We'll get to talking about a couple of them in a minute. How has that St. Francis uh, university been able to recruit elite level talent, build a program, and now build it to last? Very simple. Culture. <laughs> culture. It, 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 I have to give it all to that. It started with a with uh, it started with how you raised back at home. If you're not raised right back at home, and then doesn't have you don't have to have a two person you know, family, or you don't have to have everything perfect. I get that. But somebody along the line has got to put some sense into you to do right and wrong. And um, it starts there. And then, then it starts with a vision of your mentor or your coach, you know, that person who's going to impact your life uh, for a long time. And then that is what, that is how we can, that's how this renaissance started from what you said, take your words. It started with the culture. It started with these guys being great with each other. It starts with these guys taking each other to like getting food in the middle of the night. It starts with these guys being over playing Fortnite with each other, not too much, but you know, they play this, they play the game with each other. Um, it starts with them sitting together. It starts with their social media engagement being positive. It starts with all these things that is, that is an accumulation of goodness. Before you, if you don't have that, you can try to get the best player you want to get from the Blue Star, North Carolina or Florida, go to travel to California, go to Arkansas, go to New York, go to, go to Ohio, go to Kentucky, go, I don't care where you're going, go to DC. But if you ain't got no culture, and if your culture's not not ironclad, you can forget about it. It's only it's going to be a temporary fix for maybe a long term problem. So culture is the long term solution for getting uh, players to buy into your program, getting players to uh, to 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 um, to be comfortable so that you can coach and you can mentor and mold them. If you, if you don't have that, you're going to have issues that I've seen it. I've seen it overseas um, with teams that I've been on. I've seen it in college. I've seen it at the high school level. I've seen it. If you have someone that is the leader 
and the authority that has that type of mentality to have a culture of brotherhood. You're not guaranteed to have success, but that is the basis and that is the core of when you get championship level basketball, competitive basketball. You're not guaranteed to win it, but as far as those lifelong relationships, um, that's the one thing that I think that has started this renaissance. And I know I believe it that it started the renaissance because I've seen it with my own eyes. And it was very simple, culture, buy-in, be comfortable, uh, be willing, be willing to be coached. Egos out the door. We don't do the egos. I, I tell you, over the nine, last nine years, the dudes that came here with the egos, they ain't here. They didn't stay here for long. They just didn't because you get you become an outlier, a negative outlier, to the culture that we've already built. And so, like when you come in here acting all crazy and a knucklehead, you'll just be on your own island, and uh, you just won't make the team work. And that's how we do it. So I give it away to family secrets. <laughs> Those are the family secrets. Those are the family secrets. Let's talk about two of those great players. Uh, we have to talk about Keith Braxton, Isaiah Blackman. So Keith from New Jersey, he was the 2018-19 player of the year. Historical numbers with 2,000 points, 1,000 uh, rebounds. Isaiah Blackman from North Carolina, he battles through two potential career-ending injuries. He wins player of the year. This past season, two of the classiest and most talented athletes, student athletes to come through this league in a long time. Um, what makes them great players and what's their legacy at St. Francis? What makes them great players is their ability to fight through adversity and just be good people while doing it. That's as, as far as the core of their success. That's what it is. Isaiah is a great kid. Keith's a great kid, unbelievable family, both families, un incredible, great support system. Um, they bought in. They, they came, Keith had stuff going on in, uh, at other schools. He had stuff going on while he was at St. Francis because they were like, yo, they saw how good this kid was. They were like, we don't, believe, don't get me wrong. We had to fight some schools off to keep Keith here. Yep, we did. We had to make sure everything was kosher with Keith. But to be honest, we knew Keith wasn't going anywhere because we, we have relationship with the family. We make sure we have those calls with the family. Say like, look, your son is where he needs to be. Um, and we believed in that. They're all about family, uh, Keith. There was always times where I saw Keith piling up his car to take guys somewhere. Always times where I saw Keith bringing guys to the gym with him. Isaiah, on a bad shooting night, he would be with his, his now fiance shooting basketballs, trying to perfect his shot. Midnight, after a bad game, we're late. We're, we, we arrive home late from, from wherever, and um, Isaiah's out with his, with his now fiance shooting basketballs, man. That's the type of stuff, when you see that as a coach, you're just like, man, this is what it's all about. And there's no mystery. Those are the things that a lot of people don't know about because um, they only see the surface. They only see the, 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 the article and the, 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 uh, the flash. No, um, this is like what we saw on a daily basis. Um, Isaiah getting treatments, um, two ACLs, having like – being melancholy, being melancholy and sad over 
you know, maybe he won't be able to jump the same. No, the kid jumped even better. He was a freak. And Keith, having his support system that he had with his family and seeing that nucleus of freshmen, you know, kind of almost break, you know, with Nebo leaving and then, you know, Keith being angry about that and, and uh, wanting better, you know, Keith would have, he would have every, if he had a bad game or if, if it was a championship game, he would have a poster or a stat sheet of that game so he could do better that next time. That was the thing that, that will always, um, always be a stain, a positive stain on what those guys stood for. They believed in St. Francis. They didn't think about, oh, I got to go here, there, or everywhere. Because Loretto ain't changing. It's what it is. It's a great school, good Catholic school. You're going to get a great education. It's small, and you can work on your books and your sports. And that was the reason why I came here. And when those guys bought into that, and that was one of the reasons why Rob came, when those guys bought into that, those guys, it wasn't a mystery to the success that they were going to have. Um, and we were blessed to be able to coach both those kids. And, and we, of course, we're doing everything that we can to make sure that they can continue their careers. Uh, Isaiah just signed for a team in Turkey, same team that Darnell Williams and Avila Iverson played for. And then Keith has had, you know, his NBA uh, prospects. He still has that because, um, and we still, we still believe that he's still, after this thing shakes out, he'll still be able to have an opportunity. All right, last question. Um, let's talk about, I just wanted to talk about the Stoke Center in St. Francis. Um, it's a place, it kind of just hits differently when you walk through the door of that arena. There's a unique vibe in the building. There's a feeling of pride you get from the fans who come to the games. There's a sense of history and Maurice Stokes and the legacy of basketball success, the Norm Van Leers, the Kevin Porters. You don't always get that everywhere. When you look back at your association with the school now over 25 years, what makes that arena and that university so special to you? It's the legacy that that was here before, starting with even before Stokes, when sports first started, all the guys and, and ladies who bought into that, um, then with Stokes, then the golden era with with uh, with all the guys from the from the sixties and seventies and 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 in the, the mid seventies to like to to scratching the surface on the eighties, that golden era, um, those are the guys that fought through tough times. So you're talking about social pandemic. You're talking about a legacy that before Jim Crow made it happen. Um, so whatever they fought through during that time, I mean, we heard from the stories of the golden era. We knew of the Stokes story with Jack Twyman and Jack's ability to fight through all the barriers that existed um, during that time, being able to be a beacon uh, of light uh, to Maurice at that time, at that time. And so that the success of St. Francis is built on, um, on all of that. Uh, when you talk about sports and uh, the community, it's built on all the people that work here all the people that buy into the vision of St. Francis University. And it, and it speaks volumes to see that story of Maurice Stokes, who the building is named after, 
and who the NBA has an award um, named after Stokes and Twyman, that is kind of like the mystical uh, positivity. So when you walk in and you have to believe that if you just, if you just look at a name and you just look at a statue, but when you know the story and you know what it meant, um, that's the type of passion and the energy that could give to you that you're like, wow, this is where Maurice Stokes played. This is where, uh, you know, all of our three um, retirees uh, played, you know, um, that were from the 60s and 70s that made the NBA. I mean, you know, the Porter, the Van Leer, the Stokes, I mean, you know, even the Jess Noble, watch her play. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, she was watching her in the 90s. I mean, she had this mystic about her that was like you couldn't stop her, you know, and then seeing the Blackmans and the, uh, and, and the Braxtons and then even the, be, before him, the Kings and then both Browns and then the list goes on. The list goes on and on and on with, uh, with the guys who buy in to St. Francis. And uh, that's, that started the Renaissance. The people that came before us that laid a path, laid the foundation so that we can have what we have now. And so we, all we're doing, we're just enhancing on the legacy. We're just enhancing on the legacy. There's going to be another legacy after us that will, that will better what we've done. But for right now, I think we've done an unbelievable job. Rob's done an unbelievable job with the program to get it back to where it is. They know, people know that they got to bring it. They got to bring it when they play St. Francis. And that's where we want it. That's where we wanted it. That's where we have it, and that's where we want it to continue to be. Well said. Well, there we go, Eric Taylor. You are one of the good guys in the conference. This was a lot of fun uh, going through your career and talking NEC hoops. Thanks for joining us, and please, you know, you and your teams and your family stay safe. Thank you, Ron. We love you all. Uh, th this has been a great opportunity, and. Uh, Whatever you need, I'm always available, and you know that. And uh, honestly, I'm blessed with the opportunity to be able to talk to you and talk hoops, talk social, talk everything, and I uh, wish you all the best also. All right, that was St. Francis University men's basketball assistant coach Eric Taylor, and this was NEC Now on the NEC Overtime Pod. Thanks for joining us.